0: At this time, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to find the scripture passage that we will consider together this morning from Isaiah chapter 65, beginning in verse 1 to verse 16. If you're just joining us this morning visiting, we have been making our way through the book of Isaiah, beginning in chapter 1, verse one for the past year and so we're coming to the close of this glorious book and we're glad that you can join us um, as we consider this passage before us here and so let us give our attention to the reading of god's holy word from isaiah chapter 65 the lord our god says i was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks who sit in tombs and spend the night in secret places, who eat pig's flesh and broth of tainted meat as in their vessels, who say, Keep to yourself, do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. These are a smoke in my nostrils, a fire that burns all the day. Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silent, but I will repay I will indeed repay into their lap both your iniquities and your father's iniquities together, says the Lord, because they made offerings on the mountains and insulted me on the hills. I will measure into their lap payment for their former deeds. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and they say, Do not destroy it, for there is blessing in it. So I will do for my servants' sake and not destroy them all. I will bring forth offspring from Jacob and from Judah, possessors of my mountain. My chosen shall possess it, and my servants shall dwell there. Sharon shall become a pasture for flocks and the valley of Achor, a place for herds to lie down for my people who have sought me. But you who forsake the Lord, who forget my holy mountain who set a table for fortune and fill cups of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you to the sword, and all you shall bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. But you did what was evil in my eyes and chose what I did not delight in. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, my servants shall eat but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart and shall wail for breaking of spirit. You shall leave your name to my chosen for a curse, and the Lord God will put you to death, but his servants he will call by another name, so that he who blesses himself in the land shall bless himself by the God of truth, and he who takes an oath in the land shall swear by the God of truth, because the former troubles are forgotten and are hidden from my eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to it as we meditate on this passage together. So when was the last time that you turned down an invitation to some event? What was your excuse that you had for doing so? How did you justify not going? You know, all of us do this. We all turn down invitations of different kinds on a variety of occasions. And why do we do that? We do that because we think we have something else that is more important to do. And sometimes that is the case. Sometimes our excuses for not going to something are indeed valid, but other times they are not. How can we think of this? Well, an excuse is valid if the other thing that you need to attend is actually more important than the event that you are invited to. For example, if a friend invites you to a dinner party for their birthday, but on the same day you already have planned to attend your brother's wedding, well, which of those two is more important? Naturally, the wedding of your brother. And so your brother's wedding is a valid excuse not to attend the dinner party for your your friend's birthday. But if your excuse is that you have a hair appointment the same day, well, then that would not be a valid excuse because celebrating your friend's birthday and being there to support your friend in that time is more important than your own self-care. Now, in this passage that is before us, we hear God's invitation to all of us to delight in the glory of his salvation, to come to him by faith, to receive all that he offers to us. And here we find the creator of all things calling all people to turn away from their selfish ways to find him and delight in him above all else. And the question is, how do you respond to his invitation? How do people respond to his invitation? Well, many, sadly, we see around us in society and in times past as well, many forsake him and forget about him. Why? To attend and follow after their own desires and their own devices. Now, is that a valid excuse for forsaking God, for rejecting his invitation? No, it is not. Because nothing is more important than the Creator God. Nothing. He gives value and meaning to all things created. Therefore, there is no valid excuse to turn down God's invitation because nothing is more important than loving and serving the Lord, our God, our Creator. And friends, you have nothing more important to do than this, to turn your heart towards the Creator, to give Him your full allegiance, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever and no excuse is valid for rejecting god and his ways because he is the most important thing of all period two points this morning for our sermon we'll look at first god's invitation and secondly our response and so first we see god's invitation in the opening of this passage here we hear that god's he has this VIP guest list, in a sense, and that was the people of Israel. For thousands of years, before the coming of the person and work of Jesus Christ, before Christ appeared on the scene, the Israelites were the only ones, we could say, invited to God's dinner party, symbolically speaking. So from among all the nations, they had exclusive access to God. God's party of unending blessedness is always invite only and that invite was sent repeatedly to israel how through the prophets their prophets that god sent to them but we find that the majority of them did not listen as jesus said many are called but few are chosen in isaiah as a prophet he knew this firsthand in his own experience He had been one of those prophets calling israel to drop their sinning and get back to god real quick isaiah knew the heartache of seeing his people turn down the invitation from god to find forgiveness and fulfillment in him he knew that his heart was broken by this and this shouldn't have been a surprise to isaiah either Because when the Lord God called Isaiah in the beginning of his ministry and sent him out as a prophet, you'll remember that the Lord told him that the people of Israel would not listen to his message. And that's found back in Isaiah chapter 6. We saw this many months ago now. Where there the Lord told Isaiah in his commission, go and make the heart of this people dull, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. God was letting Isaiah know there at the outset of his ministry that the vast majority of the people listening to his message, the people of Israel, would continually be blind and deaf to the truth. They wouldn't see it, they wouldn't hear it, they wouldn't respond by faith. Their hearts were too hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. They wouldn't turn and be healed. And do you remember how Isaiah responded to this commission that he heard from God, this difficult task? What was his question? Isaiah asked in response, How long? How long, O Lord? Do I have to keep this hard ministry up? You know, he was probably hoping that God only meant perhaps a few months or maybe a few years of this hard ministry but then god answered and said this until cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is a desolate waste and the lord removes pe- the people far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the, the land basically until the exile happens in other words isaiah It's going to be a long and hard ministry before you, and most people will not listen to you. Most people will not turn to me. Most will fall away. Only a remnant will remain. Nevertheless, Isaiah, stay the course. Keep preaching the good news. Tell them about me. Continually extend my invitation to the people. That was Isaiah's task. That was the mission he received from God, And what have we seen chapter after chapter as we've made our way through the book of Isaiah? He's done just that. We've heard his pleading and his imploring with the people to respond to God with repentance and faith. He's called them to turn back to God and leave behind their godless ways. And now here, the end of his life and ministry as a prophet, Isaiah says on behalf of the Lord, here I spread out my hands all the day to rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good following their own devices the lord here is describing himself as one who persistently and passionately pleads with his people and how did god do this again mainly through his prophets like isaiah he sent them out with his message but they refused to listen and turn from their evil ways now, in the New Testament of the Bible, we find that the Apostle Paul quotes this verse from Isaiah in his letter to the Romans. It's found in chapter 10, verse 21. Why did Paul quote this verse from Isaiah? Well, the Apostle Paul, after many years of pleading with the Jewish people as he went from town to town, city to city, and entered first into the synagogues, trying to persuade them that Jesus is the Messiah. Only a remnant of Jews believed in the gospel. Most rejected the good news about Jesus Christ. And this broke the Apostle Paul's heart because he loved his people. He loved his biological family. He tried to persuade them, but Paul realized that this was an age-old problem that many rejected his message about the Messiah just as they had rejected Isaiah's message about the Messiah. We see, we see this age-old problem, and we see perhaps the most persistent and passionate pleading from God coming in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of Jesus' ministry here on earth, Jesus lamented the fact that most of Israel was still blind and deaf to the truth. We hear this in Matthew 23. Jesus cries out in lament, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together like a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you are not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. You see, most of Israel refused to acknowledge Jesus as the promised Messiah. And in a sense, this broke the Savior's heart. The truth was literally, personally, right in front of their faces in Jesus. And they still rebelled. They chose to follow their own heart instead of following God's ways. And when we read the historical accounts of Jesus' life, we find that many people thought they were too holy for Jesus. He wasn't like the religious leaders of the day, Jesus. He ate with the tax collectors, and he talked to prostitutes. He didn't follow all of their added purification rituals, like the hand washings before eating, His disciples, what did they do? He let them harvest food on the Sabbath day, and he himself healed invalids on the Sabbath day of rest. He touched those who were outcasted from society because of their skin disease. He welcomed in little children and blessed them. He touched dead bodies and brought them back to life. He put on a servant's apron and washed his own disciples' feet because of the way that Jesus acted, the way that he walked and talked, many of the religious leaders in Israel thought of Jesus as a low-class, impure, sectarian teacher. They thought that they were too holy for Jesus. And this, again, was an age-old problem. Look at verse 5 in our passage again. Verse 5 Years before Jesus, as God pleaded with the people of Israel through Isaiah, some religious leaders, probably the Levitical priests, said in response, Keep to yourself. Do not come near me, for I am too holy for you. You see, it's the same old problem. And this is connected to what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10. There, the Apostle Paul explains that this is the same reason why so many of the Jewish people rejected the gospel of Jesus. And he says, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved, for I bear witness that they have a zeal for God. They're religious, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. And so they thought they were establishing their own holiness, their own righteousness, and that they didn't need what God was offering. You see, this was their excuse. What I have achieved on my own is better than what God is offering me in Jesus. I'm too holy for Jesus. They trusted in their own works instead of receiving God's righteousness presented to them in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They thought they were better off making it on their own in in life instead of receiving grace, the grace of God that comes to us by faith in Jesus alone. And sadly, most of Israel forsook the Lord and his anointed Messiah. And Isaiah foretold this. He says in our passage, this would happen that the VIP invitation that was first sent to Israel was going to be mainly rejected. And so what would God do? He would take that invitation and send it out globally to the ends of the earth. Look at verse 1 of our passage again with me. He says, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. The Gentiles, the pagan nations who had not a care for God in the world. He was ready to be sought by them. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. And again, if we go back to Romans chapter 10, Paul quotes this verse as well. Why? To prove that God has indeed turned to the Gentiles, that is, to the nations. He has extended that invitation to all peoples. There is no longer any VIP list of invited people. No, what this means, friends, is that that same invitation of old from God has come to us, has reached the ends of the world. The same invitation is before you and me again this morning. And still today, there are two different responses with two very different results. On the one hand, there are a few, always a few that God keeps for himself, the remnant, those who seek the Lord, who respond by faith to this invitation. And On the other hand, there are the many, the rebels who reject him, who refuse him, As Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. So this leads us to our second and our last point, our response to this invitation. Through Isaiah, God warns us that he will indeed repay with punishment all who forsake him. And we saw that together last week as we considered Isaiah chapter 63 with the winepress of God's wrath. But he also shows us in verses 8 to 10 of our passage that he would spare some. And he uses a fascinating illustration, illustration of harvesting grapes to make wine. Look at verse 8. He says, as the new wine is found in the cluster, and they say, do not destroy it, for there is blessing in it, so I will do for my servant's sake and not destroy them all. And so, when the harvest of grapes happened in Israel when it began, sometimes the first Grapes that were picked were already, in a sense, gushing with juice. And it was the practice to take those first clusters of grapes and make a new wine. And that new wine was considered especially blessed by God. And Isaiah is saying that God sees those who believe in him, his remnant people, those who believe in his good news as those blessed clusters of grapes that he delights in. And remember, like we said last week, we considered the winepress of God's wrath. And we considered how many will be destroyed for their rebellion and thrown into that winepress and trodden upon by the Messiah when he returns. But here we find that few will be spared, that God takes delight in a few clusters of believers that he gathers from among the nations, those who belong to him. God saves and delights in his remnant people. And in this way, we can say that God is faithful, faithful to his covenant people. God has not rejected his covenant people. And the same applies to our own families as well. God's covenant promises to us as believers do not guarantee that all of our children and our grandchildren will come to faith in Jesus. It's not that kind of guaranteed promise. But we can trust that by grace, God will keep some for himself. There will always be a remnant of believers, even in our own families. All the grapes will be gathered for the pressing at the end, but some clusters will be set apart to the Lord and delighted in by him. And it's because of this remnant theology that the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verse 5, So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. Now notice what is promised to the remnant in our passage from Isaiah. What is promised to the remnant who believes and turns to God. They are called, in verse 1, by God's own name. And this is adoption language. Those who did not know God, who did not belong to him, are now given his own name as his children. And if they are adopted as children, then they are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. Look at verse 9 of our passage. All those who believe are called God's offspring, and they are possessors of God's mountains. Now this picture of mountains harkens back to chapter 11 in Isaiah verse 9 where there we saw that the mountain of the Lord's dwelling place would extend and cover the entire earth because God's uh, promise is to renew and restore all of his creation. He says back in Isaiah 11 verse 9, they shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so we find These are the blessings. Those who receive his invitation find God. They are adopted as his children and they are made heirs of God's kingdom forevermore. And God's kingdom is described for us in verse 10 symbolically where we hear about the city of Sharon in the valley of Akur. The city of Sharon in Isaiah's day, it symbolized sad deterioration. In Isaiah's day, the city was in ruins. And Isaiah is saying God will bring restoration. He will restore. The Valley of Acre was a symbol of a troubled start. But here God promises to bring it to completion. He's promising a beautiful transformation. And this symbolic language that we find here of this blessedness that awaits all who trust in Jesus, all who call upon the name of the Lord by faith, is given to us as a foretaste of what is to come And this new creation that he's beginning to describe here, he will later go on in length in the next part of Isaiah 65, which will be our sermon text next week, Lord willing. But by contrast to that wonderful blessing that he is presenting to those who receive him, the, the blessing that the remnant reaps, rebels against God, be warned. Look at verse 12 if you do not answer when God calls on you, and if you do not listen when God speaks to you, what does he promise? He will destine you to the sword of his judgment and the slaughter of his coming wrath. Why? Because instead of turning to your creator, you have done what is evil in his sight. That's what Isaiah says. And know this, that if you reject the creator God, then your excuse is not valid because you are choosing to delight in created things instead of the Creator who is blessed forever. And all you who refuse to bow down before Jesus by faith, you are warned again this morning. In the end, the remnant will reap restoration, but rebels will reap ruin. And this comes out beautifully in verses 13 to 14, where we see this stark poetic contrast between the two responses to God's invitation. His servants, who believe they are greatly blessed, whereas those who excuse themselves from this invitation are greatly distressed. Listen to it again, the two contrasting results of the response to his invitation. Behold, my servants shall eat, but you shall be hungry. Behold, my servants shall drink, but you shall be thirsty. Behold, my servants shall rejoice, but you shall be put to shame. Behold, my servants shall sing for gladness of heart, but you shall cry out for pain of heart, and you shall wail for breaking of spirit. We find that the great blessings that God is promising to those who believe are mirrored by the dark, terrible woes that he pronounces on all who refuse to come to him by faith. Now, in Luke Luke's account of Jesus' life in chapter 14 our Lord Jesus gave a parable and we're going to end with this here this morning Jesus said this and it's very tied to our passage a man once gave a great banquet and invited many and at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited come for everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses The first said, I've bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled, and the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Friends, God's invitation to salvation has gone out to the highways and the hedges. It has come near to you again this morning. And know this, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has done everything necessary in order to bless you with his salvation both now and forevermore. That banquet table is ready. And he says, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. What excuse do you have For not coming to Jesus this morning. He is willing to bestow his riches upon any and all who call on him by faith. For it is written, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. You have been invited. Call on his name. Do not wait. Do not make excuses. Nothing is more important than this, getting right with your creator. There is only one way to secure your spot with God at his table forevermore. And it is by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Call on him this morning and you will be saved. But if you reject his invitation, be warned, you will be ruined by your own shame and guilt when Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead. So I ask you, What is your heart's response to God's invitation? Amen. Father God, we ask that you would work upon the heart of each and every person gathered here in this place, that none of us would trust in our own achievements or think that we are better off alone apart from you, but that by your spirit this morning, through the passionate personal pleading that comes from the prophet Isaiah, Lord, call us to yourself. Call us out of our selfish ways to turn to you, our creator, who is blessed forever, to swear our allegiance to Jesus, our king, and live for him by faith, trusting in his finished work that we too might have a spot at your table in the kingdom of God and receive the riches of your blessing forevermore to your glorious name. Work on our hearts from the the smallest of us here gathered to the oldest, Lord, work upon us. Call us to Yourself. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, Amen. It was a fitting song of response and application to this message.